Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. much worship team thank you so much hello everyone my name is pastor kaya i get the opportunity to be the uh, uh, executive pastor aka pastor john's handler here at the building christian fellowship and i am so thankful that they have allowed me to preach you know we need to talk to management we need to talk to management y'all because they don't let me get up here very often we got to talk to management put in the letters write them write the letters y'all I want to let you guys know that I am prepared to bring the word of God today. I'm prepared to bring the word of God today. And here's the, here's the thing. I've prayed. I've sought the Lord. I've asked the Lord. And I'm being obedient today to bring the, the word of God. Amen? Amen? So the question is, are you prepared to receive the word of God today? That's the real question. Because sometimes y'all show up to church and y'all just like, go ahead, feed me. Stir me. Excite me. Motivate me. There's a part you have to play. The preacher has done their part. How will they believe? How will they know unless someone be sent, unless they hear? But guess what? You have a part to play. I want to tell you about it. In Jude chapter 1, verse 20, it says, but you, you, guess who you is? You, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your own most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves, you, you, yourselves, not them, but you. Keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ into eternal life. That sounds like your work. That's your work. That's your part. That's what we're supposed to do every single day. If you want to write it on your mirror, I have, I have lots of different scriptures on my mirror. I look at it all the time because I know I have a part to play. Yes, the Lord is good. Yes, the Lord is sovereign. Yes, he's all that and two bags of chips. But I have my part that I must play. Jude 1 and 20 is part of it. That's me. That's my part. All right, here's your other part, Hebrews 4 and 2. I hope you're writing this down because I hope that you refresh your memory and you refresh yourselves with your work, your part. Hebrews 4 and 2, it says this, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Don't be them. Be us. But don't be them. Them is the ones that come to church saying, go ahead and preach me a word. Go ahead and give me a word, and I'll let you know if I give you a hand clap. I'll hold, go ahead and hold up a cue card and tell you if it's a 10, a 5, a 2, or a 1. That's them. Don't be them. But hearing the word of God, mix it with faith because you have a part to play. The same way the preacher comes up and he preaches in faith, he preaches according to the obedience and the fervor of the Holy Spirit, you have your part. Listen and receive it in faith so that you can not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Ask the Lord to allow the word to take deep roots in your heart so that you can't be moved by this world. This world will say, oh, we know what was preached, but let me tell you, you got to change your mind. you got to change your position about that because something different's happening. No, our God is sovereign. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And when the word is planted in our heart, we cannot be moved by what the world's standards is telling us. Amen? Man, I'm preaching already, and I'm not even preaching. Be ye ready to receive the word of God today. Don't take your part lightly today. That's all I'm trying to say. Do your part today, y'all. Do your part. All right, here we go. Now we all got our positions. We all ready. We all tuned up. We all in the band of Jesus Christ all doing our part. We all going to be in harmony. All right, I'm ready. Over the last two weeks, Pastor John has been preaching a wonderful word about an encountering God versus experiencing the Lord, experiencing Christ. Amen. So those of you who have been here, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Those of you who are new and it's your first time, you're like, what is happening here? I'll let you know. First of all, you can go on YouTube. You can watch all the, the, the sermons. They're really good, by the way. If you have seen them, rewatch them. But Pastor John's been talking about an encounter with the Lord because sometimes we're like, Lord, I just need an encounter with you. I just want an encounter with you. Do you know what an encounter with the Lord is or an encounter with anybody? It's a fleeting impression, right? Because it moves you for a second 
and then we forget it because the moment has passed and so has the impression. However, an experience envelopes a relationship. It envelops the relationship. I gotta say the word right because the wordsmiths are here and they're like, she said envelope. Okay, experiences envelop the relationship. Yes, you approve it to your and Donald? Okay, they approve. It, it holds and it contains the relationship. I can ask Lakeisha, I'll say, Lakeisha, why do you love Sean? And she'll go on and she'll tell me about experiences that she's had with him. I'll ask Sister Margo, Sister Margo, why do you love the knucklehead named Carlos? And she will go on and she'll list all the many, many, many beautiful experiences she has had with Brother Carlos, right? Because experiences envelop the relationship, not encounters. I think the word says that they have a form of godliness but denies the power thereof. It's like they have these encounters and they're like, yes, I'm changed. Woohoo! And then they leave out of the word, out of the, out of the, the, the house of the Lord, and there's nothing to stabilize them because there's no experience. There's no relationship. And so I want to continue where Pastor John left off because it was some good stuff. And the Lord says that there comes a gift of knowing Christ and Christ knowing you. There's a gift in that. There's a reward in that. How do I know? Because the Bible says that the Lord is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. He's a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. He rewards you. I don't know about you guys, but whenever I hear about, when I think of a reward, I think of, uh, of, of, of Pastor John and I getting these invitations to accept a trip, a seven-day uh, trip and a, a six-night stay in Australia. If we would just sit and listen to the timeshare spill. And so I'll tell Pastor John, listen, you got to be strong because we're not buying no timeshare. I'll tell him. I say, listen, and we'll, before he gets out of the car, I'm like, listen to me, man. We're not buying a timeshare. I need you to go out here. I need you to have a stone, stone cold killer face. Listen to the spiel and be like, give me my trip. Give me my reward. I'm just here for the reward. And you know what happens? We go in there and by the third, by the time the third manager sits in front of us, I'm looking at John like, what else do they have to say, John? We want the timeshare. They've given us a deal of a lifetime, man. Let's accept the trip and the timeshare. And he's looking at me like, what happened? I'm like, man, if the rewards are too great, I can't take it. I want the timeshare. It's true. I'll I be telling him, I'm like, listen, man, you got to be strong. And then I'm like, John, just please. It's only $5.99 a month. What more do you want them to take off? They've taken off everything. He stays strong, though. Bless his heart. But God says, I'm a rewarder to them who diligently comes and listens to the spiel of the timeshare I want to share with you. God wants to be a timeshare because he wants to share our time. He doesn't want to just come and encounter us in our times of need or in our times of, of lack. He's like, no, I want to share some time all the time. And let me tell you about the benefits of this timeshare. We can share time together anywhere. Anywhere you want to go in the world, I'll be there. John, get the, get the timeshare, man. <laughs> the more we seek the Lord, the more we'll find him. And the more we find him, the more we know him. That's talking about an experience, not an encounter. The more we seek the Lord, the more we find him. And the more we find him, the more we know him. There's so many things that I know about Pastor John. I call myself a Johnologist. I know him more than he knows himself. So sometimes I can finish his joke, and I'm trying to remember to do the part about laughing because he, he'll tell the joke like 13 times. And it's like he does it with the same crescendo at the end, and I'm like, here comes the crescendo. And it's like I have this whole thing because I'm a Johnologist. I've studied him a long time. And the more, I, the more I seek John, the more I find John. And the more I find John, the more I know him. 
I know his humor, everything. I'm like, oh, he's going to go over and talk to that guy about the dog. And then after he's finished talking to the guy with the dog, he's going to tell him about Josh and Nadia created a leash. Now he's going to pull up the Instagram. He's going to show them the video of the leash. Yeah, meanwhile, me and the kids are smoltering in the car. And we're saying, dude, just come get in the car. But then he has to say, why do we call it the building? Because that's all it is, man. Jesus Christ. I was like, okay. I know him. I know what he does. Because the more I seek him, the more I find him. And the more I find him, the more I know him. It's about experiences that envelop the relationship. You know what else I know? I know that the Lord answers the desperate cry of a seven-year-old. You know how I know? Because I was that seven-year-old. I remember this one time, y'all. My mom was the director of the children's choir. And all the kids had to have white gloves I remember my mom was a single mom at the time, and she scrounged up enough money to buy me my white gloves. I was so excited about these white gloves. Now, of course, she didn't tell anybody that she didn't have enough money to buy the white gloves that she told all the other parents that all kids had to have white gloves. So here she is. She scrounged up everything, man. Give me those white gloves. Those white gloves meant a lot to me because I knew what mom sacrificed for those white gloves. Well, come Sunday morning, we're running late, and mom's trying to figure out why I'm taking so long to come in the car, and I could not find my white gloves. I found one, but I couldn't find the other white glove. And you know why? Because all week I spent playing with those white gloves with my dolls. Like I had the white gloves talking to the dolls. Like, see these gloves? These are important gloves. These are special gloves. See, special. And here it is Sunday. It's time to put the gloves on. Mom's in the car. We can't be late because she is the director of the children's choir and I can't find my other white glove. I'm like, raggedy ad doll, did you take it? I saw you eyeing it. No. So you guys, what I do, you guys, I was, I was fit to be tired. I got on my knees. I got on my little seven-year-old knees. I held that one white glove because I wasn't letting that one out of my sight. And I pleaded, Lord, please, please. To me, y'all, that it was earth shattering. I was seven. Lord, please. It's going to be real bad if I can't find this other white glove. Y'all don't know Mama Betty. Lord, please. Y'all, I kid you not, I opened my eyes, the white glove was right in front of me on the floor. I was changed forever. I'm like, the Lord is a white glove provider. Well, what you? I didn't know that before. But I knew the Lord can pull a white glove out of nothing. He did it for me. You know what else I know? I know that the Lord responds to the desperate cries of a mother whose daughter is in the hospital. 18-month-old daughter, daughter is in the hospital room dying. I know that the Lord responds to a desperate mother's cries. You know how I know? Because that was me. I'll never forget she was at Children's Hospital, and they basically said the one word we don't want to hear any doctor say about our loved one. They said we want to make her comfortable. I had to leave the room because I had to leave the doubters behind, y'all. I went to that chapel, and I don't know if somebody was in there praying to Mary. I'm not sure. But I'm like, listen, you're going to have to just bear me for a second because I'm calling out to the, to the Je Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha. I'm calling out to the one true God right now, and I need you, Lord, to touch my daughter. The next morning, she woke up with life in her eyes. She woke up talking. 18 months old, and the doctors don't know what happened. When they did the x-ray, the x-ray before her lungs was full of infection, it, she, was, she was done. And the next morning, y'all, it was empty, like the tomb. The Lord had been there. The Lord was there. And I'm forever changed. Nobody can tell me that my God's not a healer because of that. You know what else I know? I know that bald tires hydroplane in the rain. I know it, y'all. You know how I know? Because I was in my Mustang. Remember I told y'all the story about the Mustang. The Mustang looked like it was a V8, but it was actually a V4. But it was red. Couldn't nobody tell me I wasn't fast. Nobody could tell me that. It was raining. The trucks were coming on the freeway, and I said, you know what? I got a Mustang. I crashed. The car spun and spun and spun and spun. And, the, and because it was raining and there were so many semi-trucks, you know, the big rigs on the, they couldn't, they can't, they can only stop so fast. They can't stop that fast. I was hit by 
was it, I don't know if it was two trucks or three. I was hit by two or three semi-trucks, because sometimes you know how stories build over time. I don't know if it was two trucks. It might have been, it might have been 14 trucks. But the car was spinning, y'all. And, and the car was spinning and trucks were hitting it as it was, it was like a little the pinball machine. How the, it was like, bow, and then it'll go somewhere else and then bow. And, then, and I just remember being in the car like, okay, and this is how it ends. It was like literally like on TV, slow motion, glass, like just, and I'm seeing that the car is spinning toward another truck. And I'm like, yeah, this, is, this is how it ends. And I just, I couldn't think of any prayers. I couldn't fathom any words. I couldn't put them together. I just kept saying Jesus. And that's when I realized the Lord answers those prayers. Because I crawled out of that car, that four-cylinder Mustang. And as I crawled out of the window, I remember all the trucks, all the cars were just lined up on the freeway. They were all dead silent. It was all just the whole freeway stopped because, you know, the Mustang's all over the place. And so I had lots of light climbing out of that car. And I remember, like, almost like, like, is this the light of heaven? Or is this, am I still on the freeway? But I couldn't open the, the car door, but I remember climbing out of the windows that had been shattered with lots of glass. And as I'm climbing out, my shoulder was cut by glass. But I remember, like, I don't care. Like, I just want to get out of the car. And to this day, I still bear that mark on my shoulder because life happens and things go on. And I've, I've had a six-cylinder after that. You know, I've had other faster cars. And how life goes, sometimes we're tempted to kind of forget about those stories and about those times. But it's like the Lord leaves little markers. Like, don't forget, I was with you. You may forget your stories of how I've saved you, of how I've healed you, of how I healed your daughter, of how I made you crawl out of that car when you shouldn't have survived, but I'm going to leave a little Ebenezer, a little reminder of my faithfulness. And Apostle Paul, as Pastor John was teaching over the last two weeks, man, Pastor, uh, Apostle Paul not only encountered the Lord, but he experienced the Lord. And so over the next couple of minutes, I just kind of want uh, to piggyback on Pastor uh, uh, Apostle Paul's relationship with the Lord because we can learn a lot from it. Amen. If we turn to Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, Pastor John highlighted this for us, and it really meant a lot to me. And the Lord has really been speaking a lot to me through these scriptures. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of, G of Christ Jesus, my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. Amen. Our pastor highlighted this statement to us. It says that Paul said, I have suffered the loss of all things. And the last time I checked about all things, all things really meant all things. Because sometimes maybe you guys think that Apostle Paul just lost his job. Or Apostle Paul maybe just lost his influence. Maybe he doesn't have as many followers on Instagram. No, it says that I have lost the loss of all things. And we are to assume all things means all things. I believe that Paul lost some friendships. Paul lost some positionings that he had before. Man, Paul had losses, you guys. Some of you Bible readers will know what Paul means when he says that he has suffered the loss of all things because we know Apostle Paul's past. You know, Apostle Paul, he was a fighter for God. And he was persecuting Christians. He literally had permission from the high priest, the same kind of high priest that probably done away with Jesus. Same guy was probably in office. The high priest actually gave him permission to persecute, to kill families that called upon the name of Jesus Christ. Here, Jesus Christ that been here, died, rose again, and went up to the sky. And they still are trying to persecute the name of Jesus. So if you read in Romans chapter 9, just write that down for your reference for, next, for, for this week's reading. But you'll, in, in Romans chapter 9, you guys, we hear Apostle Paul pleading. We, it's almost like we hear his heart bleeding for his brothers, his friends, probably his family members. 
about the fact that I've received this revelation of Jesus, but they still have not. We have to realize something. If Apostle Paul was who he was, remember Apostle Paul was the same one that had Stephen uh, stoned. He was there. So it's like Apostle Paul was deep in this thing. So friendships, best friends, cousins, girlfriends, wives, I don't know. All of them were connected and all mixed into this belief system that Apostle Paul was super diligent about preaching. You call upon the name of Jesus Christ, you die. Why? Because we're doing it for for God. They thought what they were doing was true. And then we read in in Romans chapter 9, man, he's hurting. He's hurting bad, you guys, because some of those relationships that were still lost were people that were probably converted to that from his teaching. So not only the fact that Apostle Paul has lost relationships, but he's realizing I've led some of these people in this direction. And I still can't get them to realize it's Jesus that we need, you guys. Let's stop persecuting people for Jesus. They got the right ticket. They're going the right direction. And they're looking at him like, you know, Apostle Paul done went crazy. Yeah, he done went crazy. And Apostle Paul, he's hurting for his friends. He's hurting. I believe we see that Apostle Paul has has, has some losses of friends, colleagues, family members, teachers, mentors. His entire circle was just wrecked havoc all because he chose Jesus. Let's read in Galatians chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. It says this, you know that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at the first. And my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Paul is talking about the fact that he's going and he's teaching people and there's something physically wrong with him. Like something that people can see. You know, uh, Pastor John, he'll walk into a room and and he'll do an x-ray and people will look at him and say, oh my gosh, you look completely healthy. If I wouldn't have done this x-ray or I wouldn't have saw this internal picture of what's going on inside of you, I would have never known that your heart is not functioning. It's only functioning at 19%. I don't know that by looking at you. Well, that's nice that Pastor John has that, but Apostle Paul did not. It's to the point where literally he's teaching and he's preaching and he knows, he feels, you guys, he feels like, gosh, this ailment I have, I think it's distracting them. It's like he's preaching and there's something's happening and he's looking at them, look at him, and he's like, are they listening to the word or are they actually looking at this thorn in my flesh? And he's so happy because he's saying, man, you guys didn't even judge me. For this handicap, this ailment, this trial in my flesh that I had. Man, you guys received the word from me without any distraction. That means so much to me. And in this scripture, he, he, he literally, he, he can tell, man, if you guys could have taken it, taken it from me and put it on yourself, I see that you would, have, you would have done that. That's how much you guys love me. And the reason why he probably knows that is because they probably was like, Apostle Paul, can we pray for you? Can we pray that you be healed? Apostle Paul, we love you so much, and we're so thankful. Pastor John, we're so thankful for the way that you teach us and you sacrifice for us every week. Pastor John, can we pray for you? Because we just want you to be healed. We don't want you to have to bear this cross of this thorn in your flesh. We want to take it. We want to take it from you. And Apostle Paul felt that love. But you guys, he had, he had, a, he had experienced some losses in his physical body. So now we know that Apostle Paul has lost some friends, some colleagues, some mentors, some teachers, and he's also suffering physically to a point where he can't even hide it. It's distracting him as he's preaching. And all of these things is happening, and we see these things happening to Pastor Apostle Paul, and he's such a gift to God's church then and now. How can somebody be such a gift, such a blessing to God's house, but be suffering so much loss? We know that Apostle Paul has have wrote at least 13 epistles in the Bible, you guys. He's a huge blessing. How can somebody do so much for the glory of God, suffering and carrying so much loss? I believe it even kept him up at night. Not just thinking about his friendships that he's lost. Not just thinking about these ailments, which I don't know if there was painful. I'm not sure. But maybe even just the, his past. Maybe families that he had murdered, kids that he saw, he killed them. 
And here he is preaching Jesus. Now he's on the side that he was first persecuting. That would keep me up at night. Oh, man, Apostle Paul suffered so much loss. And this is what a life poured out to Jesus looks like? How do you dress that up for Instagram? Like, how do you make that look pretty where somebody's like, hey, Apostle Paul, I want to sign on. Like, how do you how do you do that when you're, I don't know, bent over boils? I'm not sure what the physical infirmity was, but somebody's looking and saying, well, how is God doing being good to you? Why would I want that kind of God? How did Apostle Paul start so many churches and set the fire of the Holy Spirit on with people with he carrying so much and bearing so much loss, not just in his body, but in his relationships and in his minds. How? I'm going to read this again. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. Do you understand? That's what he had before. He had a self-made righteousness. And he's saying, I don't know why the Lord saw fit to save me from that, but he did. And if he doesn't do not one more thing in my physical body, in my mental body, in my relationships, he's done enough because he saved me through grace. He's brought me to the right side. I could have been lost in my sin. Killing Christians until the day I die. But God saw fit to pluck me out and make me a teacher, an apostle, so I can stop the rotation from happening today. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. And it doesn't stop there. But that I may know him. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. If I was Paul, I'd say, Lord, thank you so much for just saving me from self-righteousness. But then he goes on to say, but then he allows, the Lord allows me to know him. To know him. I don't know about you guys, but if somebody's been killing all my kids, and then I bring him in and say, hey, I want to bring you close to me. I want you to know me. Woo! Only God can do that. And Paul is seeing what he has been, what he has done, and he's saying, man, this is amazing. He saved me from all this. He's allowed me to do all this, all those other earthly things, earthly relationships, earthly infirmities, earthly mental things that are only bound to this earth. I don't even care. It's trash compared to knowing Christ and being saved by his grace. Paul's letting us know how he encourages himself. Because he probably misses his, there's times where he probably misses his friends. He probably misses his colleagues. Maybe he misses the lady that had the twinkle in her eye for him. But she's like, mm-mm. You're, Paul, you've lost your mind now. Maybe he's mourning the loss of some of those things. And he turns it around and he encourages himself with Philippians 3, 8, and 10. Paul's explaining uh, to us that suffering doesn't feel hopeless with Christ. Instead, it is a great invitation to know him, to know him. There's just some things that Paul, I believe, just couldn't write. There were certain emotions and certain things and trials and things and revelations that he had that I don't believe he even just knew how to write. How do I know? Because it happens to me. It happens to you. There's certain things that happen in your life and you know it's nothing but the Lord. And it's like for somebody to say, write it down. You're like, where do I, where do I even start? So I believe we're, we're finding, we're just seeing a small glimpse of, of, of Paul's testimony, of the goodness, of the faithfulness of the Lord in Paul's life. This is just small because I believe there were so many things. Paul's like, I don't even know how to even put this together in a sentence. Instead, you just got to be invited. Paul's like, you just got to know him for yourself. I remember Pastor John and I, we felt that. and We said that when we went to Israel. It's like, man, people are going to, we're going to come back and people are going to say, how was Israel? Can you tell us all about it? And they're going to want the full download. And it's like, okay, what we're going to do is we're just going to plan a trip. They just got to come. It's like, you just got to be invited. You just got to come and see and experience and know for yourself because I can't 
make, I can't make a sentence add up to the glory and the goodness of the Lord. Paul was invited to experience Christ in the way of suffering. That he should not just understand, not just believe like some of us through the word, but to know. To know. Let's read Acts chapter 9, 13 through 16. It says, then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. He's talking about Paul. Ananias is saying, Lord, I have heard from many about this crazy man. How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. Because remember, he was, he was killing Christians, y'all. And here, in this region, here, he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all he call, who call on your name. Ananias is crying out to God. He's saying, listen, listen, listen. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Y'all, Paul was invited to something he didn't even know he was invited to. So Ananias is being asked to go and, and, and lay hands on Paul because Paul was blind, y'all. He needed some help. And Ananias was like, Lord, you know, I love you and everything, but I'm trying to explain to you that this man be killing Christians and he even kills children. Like he kills everybody that believes upon Jesus. And everybody know I rock with Jesus. So if you send me to this guy named Saul, if you, he's going to kill me. And I'm just, Lord, I'm just trying to make sure you understand that. And God answers him. He's so good that the Lord did this. Because God could have been like, just, just go. That's something, that's, that, you know, that's something Pastor John would do. He'd be like, look, don't ask questions. Just go. Just follow orders. Just move, moving out. Everybody moving out. Go. Don't ask questions once we get there. But God actually told him. He do, guys. He's, he's still in the army. But God actually told him. He says, listen, no, I've, he's, I've chosen him for myself. And I believe that is such a blessing because Ananias probably would have stressed the whole way there. I don't know. Maybe the Lord just saw, kind of saw a Jonah spirit over at Ananias. He's like, hold up. Let me tell him that it's okay because if not, he's probably going to jump on a boat and then be swallowed up. And, like, just, let's just abort the whole Jonah mission. And let's just, let me just tell him, it's okay. I've called him to myself. No need to run and be disobedient. Just go do what I told you to do. And Ananias did. But I believe that one of the things that, the, that Paul actually used for the sake of the gospel to bring glory to the kingdom was he used his scars. You guys, Paul didn't just have physical scars. Paul had mental scars. Paul had emotional scars. You guys, Paul, Paul was carrying a lot of stuff because Paul had been through a lot of things. How does a man like Paul who bears so many emotional, mental, and physical scars lead countless people to Christ? The answer is he lives and allows the scars to glorify his Father in heaven. Scars. Scars mean that you lived to tell it. That's what scars mean. Scars mean that you lived to tell the story. The scar on my shoulder. Sometimes people be like, where'd you get that scar? And I'll, let me tell you about the goodness and the glory of the Lord. Let me tell you about how faithful he was that time with those bald tires and that four-cylinder Mustang. Let me tell you how good God is to fools and babies. I've crawled out this window because of the goodness and the, great, and the, and the, and the, the greatness of the Lord. The scar remains as an Ebenezer of God, your help. Through hurtful encounters, through near-death moments, God erupts, uh, he, he, he puts up an Ebenezer. A, a momentum, a, 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 a monument. You know why? Because we're really good at being forgetful. Since the beginning, read in Genesis, we've been forgetting God from the beginning. It's literally like the devil isn't one of God's greatest enemies. It's our forgetful mind. We'd be like, oh, yeah, Lord, I forgot that was you that found that glove and then gave it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. And so the scars come as this physical flag. Just hey, 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 hey. Don't, don't forget, if God saved you and took you through this, he could took you through that. He could take you through this. <clears throat> if God was with you here, he'll be with you now. Paul was left with commemorative stories of being shipwrecked with no chances of survival. And he lived to tell the story of God's faithfulness and goodness on his life. Pastor John has been teaching us about a life that experiences Christ versus one that only has encountered him. 
when we are allowed to experience a life with Christ, there are just certain situations, tribulations, storms, and that just don't seem as impossible as it once did. When we bear scars in our body, in our mind, in our heart about God saw me through. There's just certain diseases or health challenges that just doesn't seem as heavy anymore. When you already bear the badge, the scar of God as a healer and a keeper in your life. Paul, who encountered loss of all things, still was experiencing life through Jesus Christ. Today's message is about scars and the stories they tell us. Psalms 46 and 10, it says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. Don't try to strategize your way out of this one. Don't try to call up 10 friends to get them to bail you out. Be still and know that I am God, your provision. Be still. Don't ask me for a life without suffering. Don't ask me for a life with no discomfort, with no betrayal, a life without abandonment or a life without uh, devastation. Instead, be still and know me in this season. If you can know me in the seasons of blessings and you can get up here and dance and testify about how good God did is that he gave you a brand new car or he gave you a great husband or he gave you this business. Why can't you be still and know that he is the God that's going to get you through this health ailment? Why can't you be still and know, God, I'm going to trust you the same way I did now. I'm going to be still and know. That if you move the mountains back then, God, you're going to move this mountain now. Why? How do I know? Because I still bear the scars in my body, in my mind, and in my heart that you've been there. You've been faithful. So instead of me trying to run away from the situation, I'm going to be still. I know the deliverance of my Lord is on the way. Because sometimes when we're not still, we miss out on the knowing. And I don't know if any of you guys are like me, but sometimes I'm like, Lord, just tell me what prayer you need me to pray so I can go ahead and get this over with. And that's manipulation. It's saying, God, I want to make you into a witchcraft formula to get you to move and do something I want you to do. Because I don't want to commune with you here. I'd rather not sit down and sup with you here. I'd rather you just go ahead and fix it and let me be on my way. No. Can I tell you, can I invite you, can I encourage you to be still and know him here in this moment? I don't know what your trial is. Paul had his story. You have yours. And we can spend our whole life running from him. We can spend our entire life running from the Lord. Or we can make a decision to be still. God, I want to know you here. I want to know you in this season, in this light. I want to know you. So when I meet the next season, I'll take what I knew about you from that season into the next season. And now I'm going to have a deeper know. It's all about the knowing. I heard a pastor once say, God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Scars are like tattoos because, you know, tattoos, we all spend so much time trying to figure out what the tattoo is going to be. Is it going to be a butterfly? Is it going to be a cross? Is it going to be a birdie? I don't know. But when you pick the tattoo, it's like you got to have a story to go with it, right? Well, I picked this tattoo because, see, what happens is this um, signifies, like, you know, we're making it up as we go. Let's just be honest. But see, this scar that I have on my shoulder See, that was a story that was assigned to me. Not one that I got to pick like a tattoo. I was flipping through the binder book. No, God says, I have a tattoo for you, and it's called the scar. If I plucked you out of the car, I plucked your daughter out of the bed, I plucked that glove out of nowhere, I'm the same God now. Yes. I'd rather a scar than a tattoo any day. Because the tattoos are ones that we choose, but the scars choose us. There's stories that choose us and say, be still and know that the Lord is good in this moment, in this time, in this season. Because you know what? The troubles, they don't get to stay. They don't. The troubles come and then they have to go. But the scars can remain. The fruit of what we know and what we learned about the Lord, that remains. We get to keep that like a favor at a a wedding. 
It's like we get to look upon it and say, Woo, God, you were so good then. So who am I to doubt you now? Who am I to doubt you now? We have, some of us have physical scars from life-saving surgeries. Saved our lives. Some of us have scars from childhood or from bad relationships, physical or emo emotional abuse. Some of us have scars in our mental uh, traumatic brain injury from strokes or from other things. Some of us bear lots of different scars and all of our scars look different. But guess what? Hard, hard times come to every single one of us. But the decision to be still and know him, well, some of us don't choose to be still. And instead, we choose to run. We choose to get drunk. We choose to get high. We get to have double the sex. Like, we just, like, choose different things. And God's saying, instead of choosing all those things that always leave you empty, can you be still and know me here? Come on and know me. Instead of having that form of godliness but denying the power thereof, have a knowledge of me that's only built through experience, you guys. Not encounters of you coming to church and encountering God, but you're not wanting to experience him all week long. You ain't picked up your Bible one time. You haven't prayed one time because you're only looking for the quick fix band-aid instead of the experience. God's saying, be still. Know me. Know me. Know me. So even though you bear the scars, you bear a testimony of how I brought you out, how I brought you through. Because the trials end and the hurtful seasons, they, they're over. They, they, they only come for a little while. But the message and the testimony, we get to keep it forever. How many know we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our? But if you're not still to know him, you don't get a testimony. You don't get one. So we're in church and we're singing about how God moved mountains. I seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I'll see. And you're sitting here, you're like, what are they so excited about? Because you decided you weren't gonna be still. I don't wanna know you. Do you know, just the old, just random story, do you know that when Moses took the, the staff and he stood at the edge of the water and the children of Israel was behind him looking at him like, you brought us out here, they're behind us, what you going to do, Moses? Do you know Moses had to hold that staff on the edge of that water and he raised his hands? And do you know only a little bit of trickle, a little water, a little move, just like a little bit, like a... And he held his arm up. And then more. And he held his arm up. And then a little bit more. Now, a bigger wave. Do you know the Bible says that he stood there all night until finally the waters part? Because sometimes when we read your Bible, you think it was just like, oh, because that's what it shows on the movie. Because the movies don't got all day to be trying to tell y'all it took all night. They don't got that much time. But you guys, he had to hold that and say, I'm going to be still. And I'm going to know him here. Because there were some things that Moses was going to have to know about God and his leadership. Because he's taking these crazy people to the wilderness. You better be still and know that God can be faithful in your leadership. That not, God's not going to lead you somewhere and then leave you. And these people are looking at you like, so where's this God? He stood there all night. And somebody, somebody probably was like, Moses, we made some soup. Do you, do you want to come eat? Like, oh, he's still holding the staff. Okay, we don't understand what's happening. There ain't nothing happening. You know what? I'm going to be still. I seen you move. You move the mountains. And I believe if my arms don't get too weary and drop, I'll see you do it again. I don't know if anybody has been like that, where you're like, Lord, just tell me how to make it end real quick. And I believe all of us have been guilty with that. Yeah. I remember I felt that way. Second stroke. Pastor John had his second stroke. I'm like, okay, now, okay, um, listen. What do you want me to say that I didn't say the first time, Lord? Instead, no, I want you to know me here. Be still. Be still, be still, be still, know me. 
know me, know me, know me. Be still, be still, be still. Because if any of you guys are like me, I'm a strategist, you guys. I can strategize some stuff. I can plan some stuff. And you'll think I spent a whole year planning it. Nope, it was just one night laying wide awake in my bed, eyeballs wide open. I'm like, okay, what I'm going to do? First, I'm going to call so-and-so. I'm going to have them. Okay, I'm going to have Tamijah make some shirts. And then I'm going to... God's like, be still. Stop strategizing all the time. Stop feeling like you got to save face or you got to tell somebody, don't want anybody to know that you're going through anything. Be still, know me here, know me here. Revelations chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, it says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, capital M, and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. I stand at the door and I knock. Of every season, of every trial, of every storm, of every wave of bad news, of them saying it's getting worse, it's not going to get any better, God's saying, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you'll open up the door, I'll come in, I'll sit down and I'll sup with you. God didn't say, I'll come in and I'll fix it for you. Mm -mm. I want you, this is a great time for me to, you to get to know me and me to know you. Do you know, sitting down and dining, it takes time. It takes time. God is saying, I want to sit down and I want to meet and, and, and commune and dine with you. Why do you think the Bible says don't, don't eat with fornicators? Ooh, that's totally random. Because what happens is an exchange happens when you sit down and you dine with someone. Because you give to them and they give to you. And maybe before you'd be like, I'd never do that. But if you sit down and dine with somebody that feels a complete opposite of what you're doing, you sit down with them and you're like, oh, I never thought of it that way. So God's saying in every season, I don't know what you're facing today, but God's saying I'm at the door and I'm knocking. Because some of us, we don't like to let God into the real hurtful, hard parts. Instead, Lord, I just want to speak, uh, pray, uh, sing about your blessings. I want to talk about how good you are. But I'm not really sure I want to see you as a deliverer of my daughter or my son or my whoever that's struggling with whatever. Instead, I think I'd rather not talk about it. And God's saying, well, I'm just going to stand here and knock and see if you'd be willing to know me here and let me know you. Jesus is inviting us to an experience, not the same experience as Paul, you guys, because Paul had his story. He had his path. But guess what? We have our own. So God is inviting us to have something special with him and him have something special with us. As I get ready to close, he's reminding us to be still and know him. When it feels like you're losing your marriage, be still and know him. When it feels like your children are falling away, be still and know him. When your health seems like it's getting from bad to worse, be still and know him. Even when your future seems unhopeful and grim, be still. Know him. Open the door. Open the door. Start to have the talk and the dialogue with the Lord. Can I be honest with something? And I'm going to be real honest and, and um, transparent with you guys. I would love to see my husband, John Butcher Sr., healed. I have prayed many times for his heart to be whole. And every time we go to the doctors, it seems like things are getting worse. Well, now the other organs are not happy. Because what happens is the heart supplies blood to the organs. And the first person to start saying, hey, I'm not happy here is the kidney. So the moment the kidney's like, hey, you know what? I'm not happy. I feel like the heart is totally jipping me on blood. And I'm going to go ahead and stop functioning well soon because I'm not happy at all. And so that's how I know things are going from bad to worse. And there's been many times I've been tempted to doubt the Lord. Because week after week, time after time, we lay our life down, our entire life. We tell our kids to lay their lives down, to do God's work. And I've been tempted to be upset. And God says, be still and know me here. Who am I to rob my husband of knowing Christ in this moment of suffering? Who am I to pluck him from communion with the Lord 
of being supernaturally sustained. Who am I? To say that, knowing God like that is not good. You need to know the Lord the way I want you to know. Who am I? To change his story. To change his relationship with the healer. Who am I? To say that, you know, the Lord saved you. You were a wretch. Undone. And he saved you. You're sanctified. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Who am I to say that that's not enough? And here I see Paul. I see Apostle Paul. His body, there was something going on. You guys, he was such a gift to the church. Such a gift. But here's Paul is preaching and he's saying, man, my body is so messed up. I feel like you're distracted by what I'm bearing. And Paul is saying, I don't even care. I don't even care that I got this going on in my body, that I lost all my friends. To know Christ is so much richer. I want to have a heart like that. That if things don't work out the way I want it to work out here on this side of heaven, that I can still stand and say, God, I've seen you move. You've moved the mountains. And I know you'll do it again. Who am I to change your story? Because I know God can do it. But guess what? He's the author and the finisher of our faith. I want my faith to be perfected. More than I want my body to be perfected. More than I want money in my bank account. I want my faith to be perfected in the Lord. I want to know the riches of his glory. I want to know that I'm saved by the righteousness of heaven and not the righteousness of this earth. I want to know him. I want to know him. I want to know him. But that requires me to be still, be still, be still, be still and know him. And that's an invitation for you today. Instead of asking him, why do I have to bear this? Why do I have to carry this for so long, God? Have I not been faithful? Remember the season of Moses. He stood all night. And I don't know if the rod got heavy. I don't know. But when your faith has been perfected, you'll say, God, I'll stand all year if you need me to. Because I believe you're going to do it. And who am I to tell you how to do it? My breath has been borrowed. My strength is lent to me. I own nothing. Who am I to say I want things to work out exactly this way, Lord? Who am I? I am not the God of my own destiny. I have been bought with a, cry, a price. I have been purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't hear my car saying, today, I don't want to go there. Ha! Be still and know. Be still and know. Be still and know. Be still and know me. While we are here on this earth, the trials will come in like waves of unruly, uninvited guests into our lives. Job 14 and 1, it says, a man is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. That's what the word says. So guess what? We all got trouble, y'all. And if you don't have a troubling season, guess what? It's probably coming next week. I don't know. But it's up to you on whether you're going to be still and you're going to know Christ or not. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And I want to come in and not fix it, but I want to sit down and I want to sup with you here. I want to strengthen you here. I want to give you nourishment here. I want you to know me in a way that you've never known me here in this place. How dare you sit down and pop up a table in the middle of a hospital room where your baby is, is dying. Oh, I want to know the Lord here. So here I am, Lord. I want to sit and I want to eat with you. Nourish me. Strengthen me. The scars and the stories they tell in our lives that's what brings the Lord glory. But if we're so caught up in what people think about us and we don't want to tell people our past and we're so prideful because there's certain ways and things we want things to do, then our, scar our scars will never bring the Lord glory. But if we take the example of Apostle Paul and says, yeah, I'm jacked up. I'm so jacked up. But God saw fit to forgive me. I killed his children who believed upon him. I'm a mess. I'm a wretch. But God saw fit to save me. 
and whether he doesn't do one thing in my body. John, if he never... If he never heals your body, God's done enough with his blood. God's done enough with his salvation. We got to make our story enough for us if it's enough for the Lord. Psalms 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yay, 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 though I walk through the valleys of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you, oh God, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Maybe your enemies is high blood pressure. Maybe your enemy is depression. Maybe your enemy is people around you maybe your enemy is your past he says I prepare a table in the presence of my enemies you anoint my head with oil my cup it runs over surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever hallelujah I'm thankful for the suffering that King David had to endure because of that I get Psalms 23 because of what David went through I get Psalms 23 I get to encourage myself with what how the Lord encouraged David whatever you're going through we get to eat the fruit that comes out of your life when you be still and know the Lord here God's not about just bringing hard things to bring hard things no there's going to be some fruit for other people to eat of and drink up from your life when you be still and know him here know him know him get out of my relationship with the Lord get out of Pastor John's relationship know him for yourself but it takes the trials it takes the persecution it takes the storms I knock at the door and I want to sit and I want to sup with you so that you can know me here do you know a shepherd is not for the mountaintop oh baby the shepherd is for the valley it's through the times of uncertain twists and turns. You know, goats, they love to hang out on the mountaintop. But goats don't have a shepherd. The shepherd is for the sheep of the Lord. <clears throat> Going through the high grass of uncertainty. Going through places where depression, anxiety is about to take us out. But guess what you get? You get the shepherd saying, walk this way. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. When you walk this way, when you know me here, when you be still and know me here in the valley, when you be still and know me in the shadows of doubt, in the shadows of valley of the death, when you know me here in the uncertain times, I'll be your shepherd. Goats don't have a shepherd. Goats are always running up because all they want to do is live on the mountain, take selfies on the mountaintop. They just run off. We don't know whose goats those are. But the sheep, they stay with the shepherd. And the shepherd never leaves you to the mountaintop. He leaves you through the valley. Guess what this earth is? It's our valley. Because our mountaintop is in heavenly places. We're not ready for the mountaintop yet until God says we're ready. So right now, we're going to need a shepherd. Right now, we're going to lead God to lead us beside still waters. Because people are going to act crazy and we're going to need some time for God to say, hey, let me take you by this cool and, 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 and present place and this calm place. This earth is our valley. It's our valley. It's our valley. Oh, but there's a time that's coming. Our mountaintop is coming. 1 John 3 and 2, it says, Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. God's a rewarder to them who diligently seek him. And guess what that reward is? When we see him. And we see him like he really is. And all of a sudden, we become what we're supposed to be. That's the reward. There is a greater promise, not just of healing, Pastor John, but of wholeness. There is a greater promise, not just healing, but wholeness.
There are greater things that are reserved for us for later. Last scripture, I promise you I'm done. Matthew 7 and 23, it says, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. We got to know him. And he wants to know us. But it's through these seas and through these valleys. And when we don't let him in, we're a goat. We're not a, we're not a sheep. We're goats without shepherds. We're running off to mountaintop areas. I never knew you. Every time I turned around, you're running up, skipping up mountains. I let my sheep this way. I got them prepared through things this way on earth. You wanted your heaven now? Congratulations, you got it. Depart from me. I never knew you. You already experienced your heaven. But I'm on my sheep. Those who sought me. Those who found me. And those who knew me for them. Amen. Be still and know him. Stand to your feet. God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for your word. Come on. Let's thank God for his word. Let's thank God for his word. Come on. You got to do your part. Thank the Lord for his word. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for not leaving us the same. Thank you for perfecting our faith. Thank you, God, for giving us your righteousness and not our own.